The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Masechet Rosh Hashanah has been sponsored by Mr. Soli and Cheryl Mizrahi. Hashem Alehem Yihyu for the Hatzlacha of both of their families, for Bezat Hashem, health, happiness, Rab continued success, and of course, uh, much nachat and uh, pleasure from their children. Hiratzon, in the zechut of their dedication to the Masechet Rosh Hashanah, they will be zocher for good judgment, they will be zocher for good beracha and mazal in all their endeavors. Amen. Daf Chav Gimal. Today's daf is being studied. The Alunishmat of Raham ben Esther. Who Hashem tenichenu began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied. The Fuah Shirema. Eliyahu Hayim ben Shafia Sofia. Enna refanelo. Enna refanelo. Enna refanelo. Betuch Shar Cholei Amo Yisrael. Amen. We begin today's daf on Chav Bet Amud Bet, and we will start five lines from the bottom. The Mishnah told us that. Uh, originally, the way they used to inform the exile about the Rosh Chodesh was through a system of torches. And the Mishnah said it, They would light torches. And they would stand on respective mountains, and from mountain to mountain, the, they would relay the message until it would get all the way to Babel. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara now first works on the semantics of the word Masi'in. Masi'in means to light the torches, Masu'ot. So the Gemara says, Me'em how do you know the Masi'in Lishna di Yikudhu? How do you know that the word Masi'in is a language of Yikud, of, of burning, of fire? Mm. The Pasuk says when David Amelech went to war against the Philistines, so he burnt their Abu Dazarab. So this is David. How do we know Vayisa'im is to burn? Because the Targum explains, Ve'okdinan David. And David burnt. He set a flame. So therefore we know the root of the word Masi'in is to burn. Burn to make a fire. Tarul Abbanan, we have a brayta. In Masi'in Masu'ot, we only make these torch signals. Ela ala chodesh shenirab bismano lekadesho. On a chodesh, on a month that was sanctified in its right time, which means the 30th day is Rosh Chodesh. I mean, the month was 29, it's Chodesh Chaser. 30th day being really day 1. So on that day, chodeshim like that are subject to the... Laws of the torches. <laughs> now, when do they send up the torch signals? Leor Eburo, which is the night following the day of Ibur. The day of Ibur is the 30th day. Always the 30th day is called Yom Ibur. Because that's the day in the event that it's Chodesh Maleh, they would add that day to the month. So that's the pregnant day. That's the day they would add to the month. So Yom Ibur. So now, if let's say Rosh Chodesh, the 30th was on a Tuesday, so the torch signals will be given Tuesday night. After Rosh Chodesh, I have to wait till it's sanctified by Betin. Tuesday night, the following night, which is really the night of the 31st, they would give the torch signal so the people would know retroactively that the Chodesh was the day before. So the Gemara says, So we learn from this Gemara rule that the torches were only done when the month was Chaser, but not Male. So the Gemara says, What's the reason for this? Gezera in a case where Rosh Chodesh Chaser falls out on a Friday, which means the previous month was the 29th month. So Thursday was the 29th. Rosh Chodesh, the 30th, 
was a Friday. So the Gemara says, Emat Avde, when are you going to make the torches? You can't make the torches obviously on Friday night, the Shabbat. So you're going to have to do the torches on Motsay Shabbat. Now, the Iyamat, now if you're going to tell me that they used to do the torches as well on a Hodesh Maleh, the people are going to be confused, they're not going to understand why. Atu they're going to come and make a mistake. Either they'll say the following, Hi, Haseru. They'll say that this month is a month that is Haser, meaning Friday is, uh, was the Yiddish Chodesh. And the reason why they didn't do it yesterday, because they couldn't, because um, Friday night. So that's one option. And if they, have, if they think of that, that'll be okay. However, but they might also confuse and say, Malehu. They'll say, maybe the reason why they're doing it on Saturday night is because it's a Chodesh Malehu Bizmano Avdu. And they're doing it in the proper time. And therefore, since in the case where Rosh Chodesh is on a Friday, Haser, the people are going to be confused at the Saturday night signal. They're not going to know if the Saturday night signal is a Haser indication, or is the Saturday night signal a Malay indication. So for that reason, we do not uh, do the signals on Malay. And therefore they'll know, when they see the Saturday night signal, they say, it's not for the Maleh, it's got to be for the Hasid, so therefore they'll know Friday was Rosh Hashanah. So that's how you alleviate that problem. So the Gibbara still questions. Still, do it on both. Maleh and Hasid. And when Rosh Hashanah will fall out on a Friday, don't do anything on Motzei Shabbat. Since you will not do anything in that case on Motzei Shabbat, but normally you would do it on a maleh, midayat haseru. Then automatically people know it's haser. Because normally on a th- 31st, let's say, with the Chodesh is maleh, they would do it that night, let's say. Right? However, in this case over here, don't do it on Motzei Shabbat. Rosh Chodesh is on Friday, 30th. 31st is Shabbat. Don't do it on Motzei Shabbat. So you know what the people are going to say? It's a haser this month. Because if it was a maleh, they would do it on Motzei Shabbat. So you figured out a way to do haser in malehs, Ah, you worried about the Friday situation? No problem, we solved that issue. Don't do it on Motzei Shabbat, everybody will know it's a Hasid, because it was a Malay, they would have done it. So the Gebarah says, no, Afidu even so, Atu Limit'e, the people will still come to make a mistake if you don't do it on Motzei Shabbat. Amre Hai Malehu, they'll still think it's a Malay. They'll say, come here and do it. They'll think some type of uh, anus, certain situation arose that they couldn't do it. For example, there was drunkenness. People drink on Shabbat. And therefore they'll say, you know what, really it is a Malay. And really this one is Shabbat. It's a way to witness that. They didn't show up. And they didn't show up because probably they were drunk. And therefore they couldn't get there. So therefore, again, doing it on a Malay, is gonna, you're going to run into a problem. In the case where the Shabbat is on Friday, by saying, don't do any torch signals, right? And you'll say, okay, there's no torch signals. Uh, the people will uh, know exactly what's going on. Because if you do it on a Hasid and a Malay, that's how come you do it on a... What's a Shabbat? Must be because it's a Haser. They're going to make a mistake. They'll still think it's a Malay, and they'll say that a, a problem arose. So to that, the Tosafot, just ask the question, Tosafot is fine. So if only do on a Haser, you can still have a problem. Because if you only do on a Haser, let's say Rosh Chodesh is on the Shabbat. Let's say Shabbat is Malay. And on that Shabbat, it is a Rosh Chodesh. Okay, on the Malay. Now what's going to happen? Let's say Shabbat, you're not going to do anything. Because you don't do on a Malay. But the people are going to think that what? It was yesterday. That could be it was yesterday. And therefore what? 
but the people are going to think like this. The people are going to say, really, it's a hasir. And the reason why they didn't do it on Moshe Shabbat was a circumstance arose. You see, you're still going to have the same problem when you're doing only on hasir. How are you going to alleviate the problem of Shabbat Rosh Chodesh Maleh? Shabbat Rosh Chodesh Maleh. Because we're not going to, we're not going to do it on that night, because we don't do it on Malez. Right? So you say, oh, we don't do it on Malez, but the people are not going to know. They're going to think <laughs> that we didn't do it. They're going to think it's hasir. But the reason why they didn't do it on Motsi'i Shabbat is because of Itnuseh, it that they had a circumstance. So they're going to come out with the wrong day. So Tosfot answers a very important answer. Vish Loman. Te'echad evadai avdeh le'olam masu'ot ben amaleh ben ahasir ki lo avdeh klal vadai talu be'ones. Which means, in a case where they do hasir and maleh, mm-hmm. always, every month, it's either a hasir or maleh, they're always doing the torches. So when, when one night, or one Rosh Chodesh, they don't do the torches, then already people will say, it must be there was some type of onus. However, but in this case, we're only doing it on Hasirs, so then, they're not going to uh, uh, say, that when you didn't do the, it was uh, the, the um, torches, that there was an onus. Because it's not stated every month, which is only on the Sevara that says, you do on Hasir and Malaz, then we'll use the Sevara of Onus. That the people are going to say, oh, must be, they wanted to do it, because they always do it, but the Onus came up. But if you're only doing it on Hasir, so therefore we don't use the Sevara of Itnuseh, so therefore we only do it on Hasir, let's say, at this point. All right, what's going to happen when the Shodesh comes out uh, on Shabbat, Maleh? Good, we only do it on Hasir. And therefore what's we'll Shabbat when they don't see any uh, uh, we don't do it on Maleh. Uh, uh, and therefore, they, they will automatically know that it is a Maleh, therefore the no Shabbat is a Maleh, uh, uh, not going to come along and make a, and make a mistake. Comes again, Gibran says, Vele'avid amaleh, velod avid ha'asir, klal. Gibran says, okay, one last scenario. Only do it on Maleh, don't do it on Hasir. Which is, you should only do it on the 31st, the following night. Don't do it on Hasir at all. Now, what will that, uh, will that help you? So look at that sheet. Vele'avid amaleh, velod ha'asir, v'chim eklal roshchosh ha'asir v'elem Shabbat. When the Rosh Chodesh falls out on Friday, and they're not going to do the uh, the signal, they're going to know that it is a Hasid, because otherwise they would have done it on Motsay Shabbat. Because you do it on Malays. And since they didn't do it on Motsay Shabbat, which is the Malay, they automatically know that Friday was the Rosh Chodesh. Right, they're going to go what was prevalent. So therefore, the Gemara is saying now, the Malay would solve all problems. Always do it on the Maleh. Aye, what about Rosh Chodesh comes out on a Friday? Perfect. Shabbat means it's Shabbat the 31st day. They're not going to do it on uh, Motzei Shabbat, because really the Chodesh is not Maleh. People say, oh, there's no Motzei Shabbat. Uh, torches must be, it was on Friday. Then the, every day everybody's, everybody's good. Okay, you have one problem, but you have a problem like Rosh Hashanah. Because by doing it on Maleh, you're going to cause stoppage of work unnecessarily for the people two for two days. Why? So let's read that sheet. Okay. 
amart, if you're going to say na'abid, to do it on the male, not on the haser, every Rosh Hashanah is going to be a two-day event. And you're going to cause the people to stop from Melacha. Why? Yom Lamid Shem Rosh Hashanah. Well, the 30th, always you have to stop working. No matter what, every year on the 30th, they never went to work in the Golan, because maybe that was going to be the day of Rosh Chodesh. Now, the Yom Shiloshim Ve'ehad, they would also, in certain situations, have to be concerned about the 31st day, Shem Ma'avruut HaChodesh. Ve'ayom, Rosh Hashanah. And maybe the Rosh Hashanah is really the second day. Abal, ki avdira masu'ot ha-chaser, but when you're going to do the torches on the chaser, le'or yud lamid, yad'esh be'yom Shiloshim nikba'a. Which means by doing the uh, torches on a chaser, that means let's say Tuesday was uh, 30, right? right? Tuesday night, they do the torches. So everybody knows that Tuesday was Rosh Hashanah. Well, they celebrated already. Yeah. But Wednesday, they go to work. However, if you're not going to do the torches, you're going to do it on the Malay, that means you're not going to do it until, like in a case where it's uh, chaser, Right, so Tuesday... If it's, if it's a Hasid, meaning it's a 29... Day. Right, which is thir- Tuesday is the, the 30th, right. and Wednesday is the 31st. So uh, let's speak it out. What's going to happen? If you're not going to do it on the 30th at night... So already they did the Tuesday. They celebrated Tuesday, they didn't do Melakha. always keep the first day, no matter first what. No matter what. Now they're going to have to keep also the second day. And the second day when they don't see, there was a signal. A signal. So they'll know that what, that, that day was not Rosh Hashanah, but they did it already. So therefore it's going to cost them two days of bitul melachah. So therefore we don't want to do it on a chaser because of the Rosh Hashanah factor. Habs Gibran continues. Kesa da yumasi'in masu'ot, maybe inklus na'ot. Okay, they used to bring these big poles. And they used to, the poles were made out of eris. They were made out of cedar wood. And then they used to put like a flammable stuff on top of the pole. Light them up. In order so the people were able to, uh, to see it from mountain to mountain. Amar of Yehuda, Dalet Bine Arazimim. Okay, we move quickly here. There's four types of cedar woods, species. Number one, Eris. Number two, Katrum. Number three, Etz Shemen. Number four, Brosh. Those are the four types of cedar trees. Katrum, Amar Rav, Adra. This Katrum, there's another word for it, we call it Adira. That's the name of the tree. Deber Bishila Amri, Mabliga. Okay, the katrum is actually called Mabliga. The Amri La Zu Gulmish. Some say no, it's actually called the Gulmish tree. Ufliga the Rabba Ravuna, the Marababa Ravuna, Amri Berab, Asalamine Arazimim. Once no, there's ten types of cedar trees. Shine Emar, Eten Bamidbar. I will place in the Midbar, Erez, it's one, Shita, the Hadas, the Etz Shemen. Asim ba'araba, we're placed in the field. Berosh, tidhar, v'ta'ashur, yahdav. So, so far the pasuk listed seven. Now let's count them, the Gabbara is going to explain which each one is. Erez, when it says in the pasuk, Erez, arza. That's called arza. Shita, turnita. Hadas, asa. Hadas is asa, the uh, myrtle branch. Et shemen, afarsema, the balsam wood. Berosh, barta. Maxwood. Tidhar Shaga. They call that fir. F I R. Tashur Shuribna. So the Gemara says, Hani Shivahavu. 
It's only seven. You told me this ten. Kiatar of Dimi Amar Hosifu Alehem Alunim Almonim Almogim. They added three more. Alunim Butmi. That's the elm wood. Almunim Beluti. That's the oak wood. Almogim Kasita. That's the coral. In the bottom of the, uh, <coughs> bottom of the water. Ika de Amri Arunim Armonim Almogim. Those are the extra three. Arunim Ari. That's the laurels. Armunim Dulbi. The chestnut. Almugim Kasita. That's the coral. We have a pasuk. Visi Adir no Yaabrinu. Si Adir. A great ship will not be able to pass. Which it says Latidavo, we learned when the Betamikdash is going to be built, there's going to be waters that are going to come out of the Betamikdash, be a narrow stream, and the stream is going to become bigger and bigger. So it says in the Pasuk, Visi Adir lo Yaabrinu. That a great boat. Is not going to be able to pass through this river that's going to come out of the Bet Hamikdash. Amarav, what is this great boat? See Adir, this great boat. Zu Burni Gedola. This is referring to the great boat. So the Gemara says, Hechi Avde. What do they do with this boat? Well, what's the purpose of having such a gigantic boat? What was they? What did they use it for? So the Gemara says they used to use these boats to get the coral from the bottom of the waters. How? Maite Shit Alfe Gabre. They would bring 6,000 people for 12 months. Some say 12,000 people for 6 months a year. And they fill the boat up with sand. They want to lower the boat to the bed of the ocean, or to the bed of the river. So they would fill it up with water, so the bottom of the boat sinks to the bottom. Ad until it rests on the bottom. Again, the top of the boat is above water. We want the hull of the boat to hit the bottom. Now, bar amurae, you take a bar amurae, like we would call like a, a diver, scuba diver, that goes under the uh, water. Somebody knows how to swim very well. He goes under there. Venahit bar amurae. Read it like that. And the bar amurae goes down, jumps in the water. Vekatar he takes, let's say, flax, ropes, strong ropes, and he ties one end of the rope to the coral that's on the bottom of the water. And the other part of the rope he ties to the boat. So now you have the boat attached to the coral that's on the bottom of the river. Now what you got to do? You got to uproot it. How do you uproot it? You start taking the sandbags off the boat. What's going to happen to the boat? You throw them outside. You throw the uh, the sand off the boat. Now the boat starts to rise. As the boat's rising, what is it doing? It's pulling a, pulling the coral. It uproots it. And they bring it. And therefore, uh, that's how they cut the, the coral. So these big boats had a purpose to, 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 to get the coral from the bottom of the, the waters. Now, how expensive was this coral? For one measure of coral, you can sell it for two measures of silver. There were three ports that used to be uh, famous ports in the world. Two were uh, by the Romans. And one port was by the Persians. By the Roman ports, that's where they used to get the coral. They used to bring up the coral. 
But by the Persian port, maskan marganaita, pearls. Just to go down there to the bottom of the uh, water there, by the oysters, and get the pearls. Umekaryan parvata de mashmahig. The Persians would call their port the port of mashmahig, which is the kingdom. The port of the kingdom. Amar Yohanan. Kol shita v'shita. That we'll call a pine tree. Every pine tree, shenatlu goyim Yerushalayim, that the, when the goyim destroyed Jerusalem, so they uprooted the pine trees. Mm-hmm. So every tree that the goyim uprooted, atir kadosh baruch hu lahaziranna. But Allah is going to bring it back. Shneemar eten b'midbar eres shita. Okay. So ve'en midbar ela Yerushalayim. When it says eten b'midbar, what's the midbar? The midbar is actually. A reference to Jerusalem. So the Pazul is telling you what? The Shita is going to come back. Which Shita? That's the pine trees. All those pine trees that go in uprooted, God's going to bring it back to Jerusalem. Anybody that studies Torah, but he doesn't teach. He learns for himself. So he doesn't benefit anybody. So what is he analogous to? He's like a hadas in the midbar. Hadas is a very fragrant uh, stick. Very, it has a good smell. But what's the purpose? In the midbar, who can benefit from it? So if a person that studies Torah but doesn't give it out, he's like a hadas in the midbar and nobody can have pleasure from it. Ika de amri, kola lomet Torah um lamedah, bimkom she'en tamidah hachamim. A person that studies Torah and he teaches in the place where there's no tamidah hachamim, which means he's, he's disseminating Torah, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Domer le hadas le midbar. It's like a hadas in the midbar, the haviv. If somebody finds a hadas in the midbar, it's not going on in the midbar. Also, you see a hadas, so you give the guy, you give benefit. So in a place where there's no no pleasure, right? Also, you find a hadas, it's very, very endearing. So too, in a place where there's no Torah being taught, and this person learns Torah and he disseminates it, so it's like a... It's an oasis. It's like a, it's like a hadas in the middle of the midbar, where he benefits the people. Woe to the umot, the goyim, that killed the tzaddikim at the time that they destroyed Yerushalayim, because they, they took away something from our nation that cannot be replaced. Why? Everything else that they took away can be replaced. But the tzaddikim that they killed, you can't replace them. So the Gebarah says, God says, listen, they destroyed the Nehoshet, they took away the, the copper. Because I'll replace it with gold, no problem, these are commodities. They took away the iron, I'll bring the silver. They took away wood, I'll bring back copper. However, they killed the Akiva and all his colleagues. What are you going to bring? How are you going to replace them? And God says regarding the death of the tzaddikim, damam lo which is what Olam says. If I'm going to come and atone and forgive, let's say the umot Olam from their sins, when I come to forgive them, damam lo nikiti. I cannot forgive them for the blood that they spilled. The other stuff is replaceable, but this what they did is irreplaceable. That's what she says in the Bible. In bati then I quoted the umot mishar avonot. If I come to exonerate them from the other sins, meaning, if I'm coming to exonerate them, I cannot exonerate them from the blood that they spilled of. 
ומאין היו מסעין מסועות, so now the Mishnah continued. The Mishnah listed five mountains where they used to do the toss signals, from one mountain to another mountain, etc. So the Gemara says the last mountain closest to Babel was called Bet Baltin. Mm-hmm. That was the place, that was the fifth place. So the Gemara says, my Bet Baltin, what is this Bet Baltin? Amarav Zubiram. Okay, that's the place called Biram. And it says, from that place, the Gola, the exile, would be able to see the torch. So the Gemara says, my Gola, what's the Gola? Amar of Yosef, Zupupedita. That's the city of Babel called Pumpedita. Now it says, when they got the Pumpedita, the signals, the person standing on that mound would, would see the whole exile would light up with torches. So the Gemara says, and we'd be light up like torches, like a bonfire. So the Gemara says, my Kimdurat Ish. What does it mean that the whole Galut became lit up like a bonfire? To show that they got the signal, they would everybody would take a torch themselves and go up to their roof and they would wave their right. torches. So when you looked at the Bavel, you said all Bavel light up like a bonfire. Which means there were other mountains. The Mishnah only listed five of them. So you said you should know there's other mountains as well. There's uh, Harim and Khiyar and uh, Geder. <coughs> they used to put uh, and the other ones. Right? They used to put. So according to them, there's really uh, eight mountains. So Kabzi Gabaran says, where were these mountains? Ika da'amre bene u bene havukaime. Some say these mountains were in between the five that we said. So just you know, put them uh, in intervals in between the mountains. Some Sometimes on the other side of Eretz Yisrael, which means let's say Eretz Yisrael is a strip, right? So now you can reach Bavel from let's say both sides. So he says they would access Bavel on two sides of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore the Mishnah listing you the five mountains on one side of Eretz Yisrael, and the other three mountains were on the other side, so they had two simultaneous signals, yeah, north and south, that were giving the signals towards Babel. Either it was part of the same five mountains, just had these in between them, and some say, no, it was a different setup on the uh, other side of Eretz Yisrael. Mor hashiv mor hashiv The Mishnah gave you the mountains on one side, and the, the rabbi over here, Rabbi Hazad, gives you the mountains on the other side. Between each mountain in the Mishnah, there was eight parsaot. So if there's five mountains, it's got to be 32 parsaot. There's four spaces, right? There will be 32 parsaot altogether from mountain number one, meaning by Harazetim, all the way to Bavir. Uh, so what are you talking about? Today it's much further. Which is you take a take a walk from Haram Mishha to Babel, it's much further than thirty two Parsaot. So the Gibbara says, Amara Baye Astatume Astatum Nehu Dirache. The roads became sealed up. Which is before the roads were clear. So we had easy shortcut roads to Babel. Today the Guim destroyed Yerushalayim, so all these access roads became sealed up, so now you gotta go around. Uh-huh. So the route became longer. So therefore the Gibbara says Dikhtiv, Lachin Hinini Sakh et Darkech Basirim. 
Pasuk says the name of the prophet, I am going to hedge your road with thorns. Which means your road is going to be sealed up. Therefore you have to take a uh, roundabout route. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak Amar Mehacha. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak says from here, Tikhtiv Nitivotai Iva. My roads became twisted. And therefore they weren't able to take the straight route, which would be 32 Parsaot, so they had to take a longer route. Comes the Mishnah, Haser Gedola There was a great courtyard in Yerushalayim. Ubet Ya'azek Aita Nikrit. The name of this courtyard was called Bet Ya'azek. Over there, all the witnesses that would come to testify for the Chodesh, they would gather in this courtyard. And that's where Betin would interrogate them. The Saudot Gedolot Osim Lahim. And they would give them Saudot. They would feed them. In order that they should be accustomed to coming there. Which means they gave them a meal. If the person knows he's going to get a free uh, free lunch when he gets to Yushalayim, so you know, if, he's, if he's contemplating, should I go or not, he'll go. So therefore they would feed them over there, Saudot Gedolot, in order to accustom them to come to the Beit HaMikdash. Barishonah, now, huh? Barishonah, lo ayuzazim misham kolayom. Now when the witnesses would come on Shabbat, a lot of the witnesses, they came outside the Tchum. So the Alakha says, once they get to Bet Ya'zik, so now they cannot move from Bet Ya'zik. They're stuck in that Haser the whole day. So they would not be able to, to move out of Bet Ya'zik based on the law. So once you get to your place, so the whole Bet Ya'zik is considered four amot. Because only once you walk out of your tomb, you only have four amot. So therefore the Bet Ya'zik is considered the four amot, but they were not able to walk any further. Hitkin Rabban Gamliel Azakein Shum Alechin Alpaim Amal Lechol Ruach. The Bible says, you know what? Anybody that comes to testify for the new moon in Yerushalayim on Shabbat, we're going to consider him a resident of Yerushalayim, and therefore he gets 2,000 amah to any, any direction. Now normally, only the inhabitants that were in Yerushalayim in, going into the Shabbat, they get the 2,000 amah. This guy should not get 2,000 he should only get fu'amot. But why did he do that? Because he was concerned if you're going to lock them up in Bet Ya'azek, the whole Shabbat, nobody's going to show up. The guy says, I come to Jerusalem, I've got to stay in this uh, holding pen until after Shabbat, it's going to be uh, jail for him. So the Rebbe says, you know what, any witness that comes to Yerushalayim, you can walk 2,000 Amman in any direction in Yerushalayim. You're not confined to Fu'amot. Not only the witnesses, A midwife, let's say, that's coming to help a lady give birth. So now, she's coming outside the tomb. And she gets a message, let's say, that uh, the lady's giving birth. So she walks outside the tomb as she lives to this uh, person to help her uh, give birth. Now what's going to happen? If you're going to tell her, well, now you're stuck, you can't move out of your fu'amot, uh, <laughs> she's not going to want to come in the first place. So therefore, they allow her, the hakama in order to give her an incentive to come to the city to help the ladies give birth, she can walk 2,000 amma from wherever she is. Huh? Yeah, well, that's why she's allowed to go outside the tomb. She can go outside the tomb to get there. I'm talking about once she gets there. Once she gets there, she's stuck now. She can't walk. She can't walk for amot. She can't walk out of the house. She says, no, they made a takana, she can walk. Well, let's say you have volunteers that are coming to a city that uh, was ravaged by a fire. So they're coming to the firefighters. They're coming to put out the fire to save the people, the children, Barmanan, is Sakana. When they get to the city, they can walk as, well, as, as much as they want, 2,000 Amma. We don't limit them to 
Shuamut. Umina Gayas. Gayas would not say a um, army that attacked a different city. So you're coming to protect the city. Also, they'll give the volunteers, or the soldiers. They give them more than they give them two thousand amma. Umina Nahal. Let's say you have a ravaging river, like the dam broke, and now the water is. Uh, Rising. You know, rising over the city. So you're coming to save the city, the people from drowning. Umina Mapolit. Mapolit, a building that collapsed. So you're going to save the people, Parmenan. So therefore, you also get 2,000 Amma. We consider them like the people of the city. And they have 2,000 Amma to all sides. Comes the Gibara. Give us a question. Bet Ya'azek Tenan. What's the name of this courtyard? Is it called Ya'azek or is it called Yazek? Mm-hmm. Now, what's the difference? Bet Ya'azek Tenan. If you're calling it Bet Ya'azek, Lishna Me'elyahu. That would be a nice language. Why? Dikhtiv. Vayazekehu. Vayasakelehu. The Torah says, or the Navi says, Vayazekehu. You will. Yeah, no, ring. Which means, um, person has a road, right? So it says, they put a fence around the road, or around the area. So you call that an Isaac. Isaac is like a circle, a ring. So you make a, a fence, you circle the area, then you took away the stones, and therefore you made like a, a penned or a fenced area. So they would call it Bet Ya'azek, the area that was fenced. That would be a nice way of saying it. Or they call it Yazek, which is a language of anguish. The fellow, the Pasuk says, was tied up with chains. And therefore Yazek would be the place of chains. Which is the person who gets there, he's stuck. He's locked up in that place. So the Gemara wants to know, what do they call this uh, area? Do they call it the positive name? Yazek? Over the, uh, the fenced area, or they call it Bet Yazek, the place where a person was, you know, chained up or penned up or locked up. So the Gemara says, now obviously this is going according to the opinion that says, in Zazim, Misham Kulayom. According to the Banga, this is before the Banga Takana. After the Banga Takana, you're able to walk wherever you want. But they're discussing in the original Takana where you had to stay in Bet uh, Yazek or Yazek, what did they call it? Did they call it a positive name, or they call it a name that implied uh, problems? So the Gemara says, inconvenience. Amar Abaye, Tashema, Seudot, Kedolot, Hayu, Osim, Nahem, Sham, Kedesh, Yu, Regilim, Labo. Obviously, you called it a positive name. Because you see, it was a positive experience. Don't you see, we gave them Seudot, Kedolot? They went to Bet Yazek at a party. They gave them uh, meals and stuff like that. So it must be they called it Bet Yazek. They called it the positive name. You know, who told you? Dilma Tarti Avu Maybe both things applied. Maybe they were locked in there for the whole day, but at the same time they gave them Serodot. So then we have no proof. Maybe it was called Bet Yazek, the place where they were chained up. But what? They happened to give them Serodot in order to entice them to come. So we have no proof just because they gave them Serodot, Gedorot, that they called it Bet Yazek. So the Gibra really leaves that in abeyance. What was the name of the Chaser where the witnesses would be? Okay, now we discuss how they interrogated the witnesses. Kesad, Botkin, Ta'idim. How did they interrogate the witnesses? Zug Shebarishon, Botkir Otorishon. The first group that comes, first come, first serve. They interrogate them first. They bring the older witness or the uh, more important of the witnesses. 
Okay, now I have to interrogate him. How did you see the moon? What was the uh, what was the uh, uh, testimony? What was the, what, what did you see? Lifnei Hama or Hama? Was the moon in front of the sun or was it behind the sun? Was it trailing or was it the Hama Is it was trailing the sun? She's in the sun cycle, right? We said certain times of the month, the sun is in front and the moon is trailing it, that's actually at the end of the month that's the way it's supposed to be that close to uh, sunset that's when the uh, the moon uh, uh, comes out so therefore we have the uh, they want to know, was, this, was the moon behind the sun, or was the moon ahead of the sun, they want to know exactly what, 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 uh, what they saw now, the Sfona or the Droma was the moon to the south of the sun or was it to the north of the sun or to the south of the sun, the position how high was it? Because when you looked at it, did it look you know, like one story high? Or did it look two stories? How high did the moon look in the sky at the time that you saw it? And where was it pointing to? We'll see what that means in the Gemara. How wide was it? How, the, crest, the, the crescent of the moon, how wide was it? Well, we know... If they say it was in front of the uh, sun, then you know he said nothing. Because we know already uh, it can't be. At the time of Rosh Hodesh, it has to be the sun, the moon is trailing the sun. And not the sun is trailing the moon. And then right away he comes along and says, You know, the guy said, uh, the guy said nothing. We'll go to all these solar things in a minute, in the lunar calculations, but let's get the point first. Then they bring the second witness in. Then they ask him the same questions. If this testimony matches up, so the edut is accepted. Now the other witnesses that show up, you just ask them, you know, some questions, mm-hmm. just some highlight questions. You don't got to get, you don't got to ask them all these questions anymore. Why? We don't need them. We have the two witnesses already. So what are you, what are you, what are you wasting time? We don't want them to go home depressed because oh, we came all the way here and they didn't need us. Okay, that's so respectfully we need them. We ask them certain questions over there. Did you see this? You saw that? Oh, very good. Thank you very much. And they write it up as if they did something. And therefore, so they don't go home. Because we want them to be accustomed to coming to the Mikdash. So that will make them feel good. We ask them some questions as well. Okay. Now, in order to understand exactly this uh, last thing that we're saying, uh, with the, uh, the cycle of the moon, we're going to read it inside over here in the article just to get a clarity so we don't... Uh, we're going to read it together we have a couple of minutes We'll start from Yeah, 23b2 We're going to read 26 Okay, we'll read it inside the English It's a little clearer Now she presents here some background information Which we will paraphrase and elaborate The sun rises each morning in the east And sets each evening in the west In Eretz Yisrael The sun never travels At a right angle to the horizon. I mean, the sun doesn't go like this, like a straight, uh, east, west, in a straight arc. Okay? Rather, the sun rises at an angle to the south. It means the sun starts, let's say, in the east, okay, and goes on an arch, on an arc, I should say, right? Around to the south, and then comes back to the west, tilting to the north. Again, if east is here, so the sun rises in the east, 
right? Arcs to the south, and then comes around to the west and sets. So it's closer to the north-west when it is setting, but it arcs via the south. south. Okay, that's the way it works. You see the, you see the picture right there? If you look at these things, starting from the east, you see the arc? Goes towards the south, and then comes back down towards the mm-hmm. west. Just tilt southward. Tilt southward, exactly, in its, uh, in its, mo- in its okay, movement. Look, look south it's correct. It comes down. That's right. Okay. Now, see the diagram, good. During the morning, as the sun moves westward, rising higher and higher, it also turns farther and farther towards the south. Good. At noon, the sun is at the highest point, and also at its most southerly point. Good, that's midday. Then the sun begins to go down, turning towards the north, as it continues on its westward course. During the afternoon, the sun becomes lower and lower, continuing to the north, eventually setting in the west at an angle, like we see. Thus the sun rises in the east, travels southward in the morning, and continues northward in the afternoon, setting in the west. The new moon follows the sun in its path, traveling behind it. Okay, that's it. The moon trails the sun. On the 30th day, the new moon, which rises shortly after sunrise, and sets shortly after sunset, is very small, and therefore cannot be seen in intense daylight. Thus, it can be seen only close to sunset, in the late afternoon. Since the new moon trails the sun that is setting towards the north, the moon will be seen to the sun's south. Okay, let's look at the picture right there. You see the the sun coming down. The moon is trailing it, so it's behind it. So therefore it's still in the southern, it's almost to the south of the sun at that time. Now, when are you going to see the new moon? Right when the sun's about to come down, now it gets dark a little, right? Since the crescent of the moon at that point is very thin, so you have to wait till the sun comes down towards sunset, where it gets a little dark. Then you're able to see it for a moment. There's a visibility to see the new moon. And then the, sun, the moon sets as well. With it. And therefore you, see, you, you miss it. So there's a little window over there of opportunity. That you're not going to see it in the middle of the day over when it's in the south. When the sun's still in the south, you're not going to see anything because it's too bright. So you're going to have to wait till the end of the day to catch the moon, uh, uh, that, 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 that crescent. Okay. So now, let's just go back for a second. So when they ask the... Um, look at the Mishnah. When they ask the uh, witnesses, Was it before the sun or after the sun? Now, obviously, if they're going to say it was after the sun, it can't be. It means they don't know what they're talking about. They're false witnesses. Because the moon always at the 30th day has to be trailing the sun. Like we see in the... Uh, picture over here on 23b3. Good. Now, the next question they would say is, Lisfona or Lidroma? They would say, was it to the sun's north or to its south? See, where was the moon? Now, the moon has to be to the south at that point. Okay? Because it's trailing it. So it's going to be to the south. Now, that sounds like it's really the same question. Because once already you say it's trailing it, so automatically it's got to be to the south. It can't trail it and be... It's north. Uh-huh. So to that, the Gemara asks the question, Hainu lefnea hama, Hainu lesfona. Hainu leachara hama, Hainu ledroma. Which means, the Gemara says, if you're going to say it's lefnea hama, it's in front of the sun, that means the sun is trailing it, Hainu lesfona. So it's going to be to the north. It's going to be on the other side. Hainu leachara hama, 
However, you say if it's after the sun, meaning it's trailing it, so then it's the drama. It's the sun. So you're asking basically the same question twice. That's the Gemara's question, right? So that's the Gemara says, Amar Abaye, Pigimata lefnea hama ola harahama. It's two questions, right? The concavity of the moon. We want to know, is it facing towards the sun or not the sun? So the first question is, is it lifnei hama or lechad hama? That's uh, the first. What, 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 uh, is it trailing it? Is it behind it or in front of it? That's one question. Then the second question is, the moon itself has a concave part. That's the the crescent, right? It goes around. So you have the two points and you have the hollowness, right? In between the two points. We want to know those two points of the moon. Where are they facing? Are they facing sun. towards the sun? Or does it have its back towards the sun? That's very important. So the Gemara says, right. So the first question really was that, he calls it the indentation of the concavity. Was it towards the sun or away from the sun? Now look at the pictures on the bottom of the Oscar. You see pictures, they're beautiful. The top picture, you see the concavity towards the sun. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then you have the next picture is it's away from it. Now let's read um, 38. The new moon appears as a thin crescent. Since the moon is really round, its concavity is called its indentation. For that is where the moon seems to be indented. It's called a pigima. It's almost like, the, it's, it's like uh, banged in. Mm-hmm. Now you don't see it, so it's called a pigima. According to Abaye, the question asked of the witness was whether the concavity of the moon was facing the sun. Or was it facing away from the sun? Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. Now, If he said it was facing the sun, he said nothing. Why? 39. In actual fact, at any moment, half of the moon's surface is illuminated by the sun. However, due to the observer's position on earth, not all of the light part is visible. At times, none is visible. At other times, it is completely visible in the middle of the month. At other times, only a crescent of the light inside is visible, that's the beginning of the month. That which we see as the concavity is the dark side of the moon. Since the moon receives its light from the sun, it is obvious that the concavity of the moon can never face the sun. It's always away from it, like in the bottom picture. And therefore, if they come along and say it's facing it, you know what you're talking about, they're your false witnesses. Thus, if the witness claimed that he saw the concavity of the moon facing the sun, his testimony is dismissed. Now. Go a little further. The Amar of Yohanan, my dichtiv. What does it mean in the pasuk? Hamshel vafahad imo oseh shalom b'mromav. Hamshel, Hamshel is dominion, power. Upahad, fear, imo is with uh, him by God. Oseh shalom b'mromav, but God makes peace in the heavens. So what's the pasuk talking about? Meolam lo raata hama pigimata shel levana. God never showed the uh, sun the pigima of the levana. I mean, the concave part of the moon never faces the sun. And furthermore, the law pigimata shall kesh it. And for that matter, the sun never saw the concavity of a rainbow. Gee, the rainbow, always its concavity, is facing away from the sun. Now, why? God making peace over here. What's the peace? So he says, pigimata shall levana de halshadata. We don't want to dishearten the moon. The moon originally was like the size of the sun when it was created. But then what happened? God punished the moon and shrunk it. 
So therefore, we don't want the moon to be facing the sun to see how big the sun is. Because then the moon would get Halishut uh, Adad. It'd feel bad. So therefore, the crescent of the moon faces away from the... That has its back to the sun in order to make Shalom. So God did a, a famous Kedyachol. He's teaching us a lesson, obviously. That they don't want to embarrass the, uh, the moon so it doesn't face the sun. Now, the sun is shooting arrows at those who deny his divinity. Which means, if the, the person holds a bow and arrow, when you're holding a bow and arrow, the concave part of the bow is towards the person. Okay? The concave part, you take an arrow, and you string it, and you, you shoot it, right? So now, if the rainbow's concave part is facing the sun, it looks like the sun is using... This rainbow, in order to shoot as a bow and arrow, all the people that are not worshipping it. And then what the Avdazana would say, see that? The sun is uh, angry, because your people are not worshipping it. So it's taking out its bow as if to shoot. So then what God says, I'm not going to give the people a chance to talk like that. The bow is faced away. And therefore, it's not that the, the people cannot make this claim over there. So that's why you'll never have the piggy mouth of the moon facing the sun, nor you'll have the piggy mouth of the rainbow facing the, uh, the sun itself as well. Huh? Why is that Osir Shalom in Romav? So can it, yeah, because now when there's no Abu Dazara, obviously there's the, you, you, you're breaking the claims of the Abu Dazara. When there's no Abu Dazara, can it, there's the, the Shalom Ba'olam. Shalom is completion. Completion is the oneness. The oneness of God is now promoted in the world.